Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your host Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. Today we actually have a special episode as normally we go verse by verse through the Bible as if we're sitting at a coffee shop having conversation about God's Word just to show what it's like to to go through Scripture together, to disciple somebody one-on-one. But today we're going to be interviewing Lucas Miles, uh, who is the author of Woke Jesus, the False Messiah Destroying Christianity. He's also a senior pastor of Influence Church, a faculty member at Summit Ministries, and also the founding uh, member of the American Pastors Project. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, the first thing we want to talk to you about is the American Pastors Project. What in your life kind of led you to to starting this project, to go to start a project that speaks to pastors, that wants to talk about uh, really the false ideologies in America and make sure the pulpit is the place where we stand on the word of truth and that pastors are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. First off, I appreciate uh, you having me on. It's a, it's always a, an honor to be able to talk through these things, especially with, you know, from a more of a pastoral lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's often times where I get to talk to to news media and and you know more of the the conservative conversation, but my heart is really for pastors, and this is really what this pastors project is all about. Um, the website is AmericanPastorProject.org, and really what this is is it is an initiative for pastors that we have developed that um, is really for the purpose of helping pastors to navigate the times that we're in. I, I know that you know uh, there was a time in my life where I felt like I was kind of like the only guy left. That I, I I call it I was that prophet in a cave, you know, and I felt like everybody else was dead and gone. And I needed to hear the Lord say that I've reserved seven thousand that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And and I think that you know in, in many ways a lot of pastors are in that place now in their cities. Is they're looking around, and if they hold to a biblical worldview, they're starting to feel like they're in the minority. If they're if they're taking a strong stance on some of these cultural issues, and what does the Bible have to say about these things, they feel like they're in the minority. And and I think that uh, it's important that we band together, that we reach across denominational lines, that we find agreement on primary doctrine uh, first and foremost in our unity in Christ. And and I think you know, so we we really developed this in, in guess in, in initially two things. So there's a statement on the website. Uh, at AmericanPastorProject.org, where you're signing a statement that is first and foremost a commitment to biblical orthodoxy based upon, obviously, Scripture first, but uh, uh, we've taken elements from the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed uh, and sort of provided some modern language You know, with these. Uh, I tell people all the time, heresy is the thing that defines orthodoxy because you know, it, 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 heresy oftentimes came first in church history, and then orthodoxy would have to respond and give a proper definition in order to count, you know, counteract that that heresy. And so, you know, the same is true today. There, the the what we're seeing these violations of understanding of God's created order in regards to gender and sexuality, or uh, violations in in what we call sphere sovereignty. Basically, this idea that God has given certain spheres of sovereignty to uh, to the church, to the state, to the family, and the violations that we saw throughout COVID on these things. These are times where the church has to respond in order to kind of push back against these false beliefs. And so, you know, first and foremost, it's a commitment to orthodoxy. Second of all, it's a commitment to help eradicate wokeism from the American pulpit. Uh, There's too many pastors right now that are teaching, you know, Marxist ideas like critical race theory or, uh, you know, that are that are starting to teach universalism or that are, you know, starting to you know bring some form of uh, what would be known as speculative theology, you know, into the pulpit. These are all false ideas that are that are, you know, antithetical to Scripture. And as pastors, we have to stand against that. And so uh, we're inviting all pastors to check this out. And then I invite people. This is a great tool that if you are 
um, maybe trying to wonder if your pastor's gone woke, bring them our website. That's right. And see if they're willing to sign it. <laughs> and and it's a great little litmus test there to see, you know, what they feel about these things to go, hey, did you have a chance to look at that website? What did you think about it? And, oh, I had some concerns or I signed it or, you know, whatever. And just because they didn't sign it doesn't necessarily mean that they're woke, but but it very well could mean. And so it gives people a chance to get a, a sort of a baseline on where does my church line up on these issues and and how do they really stand, you know, uh, um, how do they view these these biblical ideas in light of, you know, the church's doctrine. And so uh, that's really the heart behind it. We're creating some resource pages and all sorts of other uh, partnerships. We just did a partnership with uh, the Freedom Center at Liberty University. Uh, nice. They're working with us on some roundtables uh, for pastors around the nation. So I'm going to be traveling around to some major regions uh, and looking for pastors who are willing to host a, a roundtable where we can gather 50 plus pastors together uh, to talk about these issues. And so lots of great stuff happening there, but that's uh, that's at least a little bit about it. Yeah, one of the great tools you have on your website is the map, right? For oh, for, yeah. for churches to actually go on and say, we agree with this as a church, yes. and people can go on and find a church. Uh, maybe you've moved to a new area or you're traveling and you just want to go to a church that you know uh, that you have somebody who's pledged to this. Uh, so I thought that was a really good tool. I know that uh, it's important for us. We noticed, at least in our little city here, uh, there's nobody else uh, but <laughs> yeah. but us uh, as, we, as we're talking about that. So it's, it's cool that you have that. I think that's a great tool because people are having a hard time finding churches that are teaching the Word. And Absolutely. and this is a great resource for that. One thing, Absolutely. one thing that's happened to our church uh, from 2020 onward is uh, we were a church of about 70 people, and then through COVID and everything that took place, uh, we didn't stop meeting. We didn't stop. You know, we didn't give in to all, all of the yeah. ad- agendas, and everybody's been flocking to our church from this town. And now we're a church of almost 400, and we're sitting wow. here thinking like. Uh, okay, so God has stewarded people to us. How can we get them biblical resources to keep them them sharp in the days that we live? One of the reasons why um, I'm really just thankful for your ministry is because I was reading Eric Metaxas's book, A Letter to the American Church, yeah. and uh, then I saw your Fox News article, uh, yep. along with hearing about you at uh, the American Family Radio, and I thought, man, that's what Metaxas was talking about. There needs to be something to sign. Like we need some type of grassroots effort here where we can we can start standing for truth. So I'm thankful that you took the step to put that mm-hmm. into action, and um, we're we're thankful for your leadership in that area. I was also on the last conference call. I think. Oh like, yeah, 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 absolutely. A week, a week and a half ago. Speak a little bit more about the conference call and what you hope to get out of that. Yep. So uh, let me back up to the locator first. Is that um, so? For the locator, we don't. Uh, as a signer, you don't have to have your church listed, but we encourage churches to be listed. It's on an automatic. So we actually have a lot more signers than we have churches listed right now. I think that'll start leveling out as more people, you know, kind of understand the, uh, uh, you know, kind of all the offerings of the pastor's project. Um, but, um, but you know, we're, we're working on getting as many of those churches that are signers on the map as possible. We're approaching probably close to 500 signers right now. So it's been really exciting to, to see the growth there. Um, and you mentioned Metaxas, um, Eric's a friend and, you know, I, I always say when I grow up, I want to be Eric Metaxas. I mean, just uh, incredible, <laughs> incredible guy and thinker. And, um, I'd love to tell you, I taught him everything that he knows, but that's not true in a complete <laughs> lie. But, um, uh, but, but I'm honored to do, you know, to do work alongside people like that. We've, we've been on some panels together in the past and, uh, you know, tend to show up to some of the same places to speak at times. And so, um, you know, just, uh, just love him and love the work that he's doing. Um, the, the uh as far as um 
the the pastors project some of the uh, um uh things that we're working on right now we just launched the first of what will become monthly and we're hoping eventually weekly conference calls for our pastors and so as we really get to this list to sort of critical mass to be able to have um you know uh, a, a place where pastors can jump on a phone call as often as they're available um, throughout the month to be able to hear from national thought leaders, to be able to learn about certain issues or policies. I mean, how how beneficial would this have been um, uh, after the overturning of Roe? How right. beneficial would this have been after the death of George Floyd to be able to process these things together about what what's an orthodox response to you know, um, these questions of uh, injustices in the world or or how should the church be responding, you know, after this overturning of Roe and, uh, you know, it, it, what does that look like, you know, and, and really holding people accountable to a biblical worldview on these issues. And so, um, you know, we're in Pride Month right now. I mean, what's the church's response to this? Do we just show up and boycott? Uh, do we do different things? I mean, I saw, I saw one gal on TikTok and I kind of like love this approach. She dressed up in like full rainbow garb and she went out to a pride parade and she literally just blended in and she was doing street evangelism with people <laughs> at the pride parade. And I thought like, look, not everybody could pull this off, but she just had the personality where she could do it. And, and like, and I kind of loved it. Like, I don't think that we all need to be doing the exact same methodologies but the heart behind it, the message behind it, the doctrine behind it, there shouldn't be differences, you know, because Christianity is a defined thing. And sure, there's secondary beliefs and there's probably even tertiary beliefs that we could debate, but we should have unity and agreement over these primary things. And so the Pastors Project is really a way to try to draw people back to that unity. In some ways, it's a digital, um, you know, long distance church council uh, that we're trying to, you know, bring people together on and really help reestablish a baseline for truth in the American church. And so, um, you know, it's it's been very exciting. Met some tremendous people, such as yourselves, you know, through this project so far. And we're just really we're excited to see where this this goes. We have some uh, some pretty significant partnerships we're working on right now that we're hoping is going to fuel this uh, even further. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the days ahead play out. Yeah, I think it's very encouraging to know that there's going to be a place that I can jump on a conference call to pastors around the country to hear from because we only have you know our spheres of of a network. You know, we're both originally from Arizona, so we have pastors in Arizona that we know well, and and then from Bible college and seminary, but to hear from all the states, from all around, yeah. to know what pastors are going through, that helps us as pastors to really speak to our church about what's going on in, in our nation. Uh, so that resource is going to be extremely valuable, so thank you for that. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely. I think in transitioning here, that would be really good because you mentioned, you know, there are things that just Christians believe. I mean, if you don't believe this, you're not a Christian, right? You've got the Trinity, you've got salvation, you've got the Scripture, so on and so forth. But let's let's look at the other side of that, what's antithetical to Christianity, and let's move into yeah. your book, Woke Jesus. Um, this uh, coming Sunday, actually, I'm preaching a sermon called Understanding the Times, looking at our nation's yeah. history, our nation's present, and then what are we supposed to do as Christians today? Uh, and some of the resources I'm going to be using is straight from your your book. So awesome. can you educate our church, uh, for, if someone doesn't have a moment to read it or you want to prime them to read it, yeah. what's Woke Jesus all about and how can you encourage us? Yep, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll, I'll reference um, uh, some comments that I make in the introduction of the book is that uh, during the, the first century, there were essentially two heresies in the church. There were the Judaizers and there was uh, the Gnostics. 
And the first century church struggled in some ways to deal specifically with Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. uh, Judaizers, I think that Paul, you know, put a pretty good nail in the coffin on, you know, with books like Galatians uh, and, you know, others. But when it came to the Gnostics, we're really just starting to see in the New Testament the church speak to Gnosticism. They didn't even actually address it by name in the New Testament. This is something that kind of, you know, uh, really, you know, kind of fully, uh, fully became, you know, present and evident later on. Mm -hmm. And so there's a church, um, uh, we would call a church, patristic church father uh, named Irenaeus, who was alive during the second century. And he wrote a book in one, around 180 AD called Against Heresies. And in the foreword of that book, he talks about why the first century church struggled to refute Gnosticism. And it was basically his his premise was that they didn't understand it fully. And so he wanted to make sure that they understood it. So he write, he wrote the 600 page book against heresies in order to help them understand it. In that heart and spirit is why I wrote Woke Jesus. There's been a lot of resources about wokeism or critical theory or Marxism uh, in in just kind of more the secular arena. Uh, there's there's great, you know, thinkers like James Lindsay that's done a lot to, you know, kind of bring some of this attention out there just in the marketplace and and in, in academia and everything else. But but there hasn't been a lot of um, I should say this way. I didn't feel like there was a definitive work on on wokeism and Christianity that was there. And so I really wanted to set out to write something that would be a resource, a the resource that somebody could hang on to, you know, for the next decade to give a framework and a roadmap for this, because we haven't seen the end of this. I don't think that we've reached the top of wokeism yet uh, or the bottom. We might better define it that way. <laughs> and uh, and I think that the church, if we don't understand it fully, we are not going to be able to refute it. It's not just enough to go. CRT's dumb, you know, and that's been a lot of the conservative response, right? It's we have to we have to go. Why is this unbiblical? How does this? How is this antithetical to scripture? It's not just Marxism bad. It's it's why is Marxism bad? And you know, um, to really be able to empower people and arm people for these conversations. Uh, and I, it's so far, it's been it, you know the book just came out about thirty days ago. It's been just amazing to see the reception. Uh, it's lived kind of number one bestseller on Amazon on several lists. Um, and uh, actually, Metaxas just bumped me off on uh, with his book, uh, um, Letter of the American Church, last night. I think I'm sitting in the number two spot now on the bestseller list, but uh, um, within, the, you know, on Amazon. But it's this is a this is a book, I believe, that if the church were to read, specifically if pastors read, but I think it's 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 I mean, I'm finding a lot of, uh, you know, just everyday Christians, congregants, lay people, whatever your terminology is, that are grabbing a hold of this, they're feeling empowered, and they're using this to minister to their friends in, in, in ways to help have those hard conversations about sex and gender and race and wokeism and and really, like, was Jesus woke? Is Jesus really trans-affirming, like that influencer says on TikTok? Is, is Jesus, you know, really a socialist, you know, like, What's our position on these things? And so we dive into all of that, uh, I think, in a very definitive way and uh, uh, tried to bring that, you know, to the masses here. One one thing in the book that you've made mention of is that it's actually, wokeism itself is actually a religion. You know, it's yes. got a, it's got a meta-narrative to it, yep. um, uh, creation, fall, redemption. You know, they, they've got answers to things like uh, what's their view of God, creation, people, purpose, morality, history, destiny. Um, it's truly a religion— and a while back, I was thinking, man, the Gnostics, like, they hated anything that was of external reality. They loved to elevate their own internal reality. Can you speak 
a little bit more to the religious aspect of, of yeah. wokeism. How, how yeah. are you making those connections? And I would say wokeism is is a form of neo-Gnosticism and, and Marxism, which is really, you know, cultural Marxism is really what wokeism is. It's wokeism is just a euphemism for cultural Marxism in some ways. But the, you know, uh, these these ideologies, they're inherently Gnostic. And the reason is, you know, there's a push. We see this probably most evidently in, in critical race theory right now is that there is this push for this higher revelation that if you and that's really where wokeism kind of started is in the conversation of race which now it, it is you know adopted sexuality and everything else in, in it as it's expanded but you had to have this higher consciousness of of injustice or suffering uh in order to really be able to understand and to see there was that and that's a gnostic belief gnostics gnostics as you mentioned they had this emphasis on the spiritual over the over the material most Gnostics believed in a pre-existent uh, um, uh, state of man prior to creation, and so there was a pre-existent spirit that was that was there that God then subjected to a state of oppression when He put us inside of creation and physical bodies, and that the the whole way out of that was to basically learn of the truth of your spirit. Mm -hmm. And that would that knowledge, that secret knowledge, would elevate you out of this. Not the term Gnostic was actually sort of a uh, um, uh, an insult in many ways of uh, it, you know referring to these people, and it means those who know or essentially the know-it-alls. You know, that's that's kind of how they were viewed. Is that that oh, you know something that everybody else doesn't know, and that's what makes you special, and that's what you think redeems you. And so Gnostics believed that God, the Creator Yahweh. Uh, was the one who subjected us to oppression when, or to this oppressive state when he placed us in creation, but that Jesus, as a separate being, came to redeem us from uh, that oppression and to liberate us and to bring us up out of that. So God, and it, you know, it's basically God is the oppressor, man is the oppressed, and Jesus is the liberator that comes to free us. This carries on into you know modern theologies like liberation theology. Which holds to a very similar viewpoint. It 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 sort of you know uh, uh, pretends to hold to the Trinity at some level, but I would argue even that's a flawed perspective within, or or a flawed uh, um, or false theology within within liberation theology. And and you know we still see this push for oppressor versus oppressed, this this liberation that's necessary. And what it fails to recognize is that it's actually placing the 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 blame for liberation on all the wrong things. Gnostics placed it on God. Hegel could, you know, place it on history mm -hmm. to some degree. Our own understanding. Um, uh, you have Marx who placed the oppressor, you know, state was on the bourgeoisie uh, in liberation theology. It's rich, rich versus poor, and black liberation theology. It's it's essentially, you know, uh, white theology is the oppressor versus black experience. Um, you know, we can go on and on. And now we have like fat theory where it's, you know, skinniness is oppressing, you know, obese people. And and so, you know, all of this just keeps evolving into something, you know, uh, um, you know, more and more radical in many ways. But I think it's very important that we understand the beginnings, the frameworks of this. So as you mentioned, we can see that this is a religion. It is a it is a false belief. It is something alternative to the gospel. And the reason why wokeism is perpetuated is because the government does not recognize it as a religion, and it's giving preference to it. That's right. And so, the, the, you know, according to our Constitution, the government should not give preference to one religion over another. But that's exactly what's happening in wokeism. As long as they don't acknowledge that Marxism is a religion, 
then then you know leftist elites can give preference to this in the government and allow it to really thrive and continue. Yeah, there's no such thing as neutrality, though. So you yes. know, neutrality is a myth. Um, you know, one thing that I've I've thought of recently, and and this is really my fear of wokeism is, you know, as Carl Truman would coin the term, I I think he coined the term expressive individualism. The problem with elevating our own internal reality is when when does it reach the point where we're now elevating our internal realities onto other people? And yeah. you know now now you get into conversations about pedophilia and things like that. Like you can start you can start making people out to be something that they actually aren't, and now it's becoming further and further oppressive. So um, yeah, as yeah. For the last few minutes, let's. Uh, I just want to hear from the pastor, from you yeah. shepherding your people. I know yeah. some of the questions that we get is. Hey, I agree with you guys. What you guys are saying is is biblical. We want to fight against evil, but how do I do that practically? Boots on the ground. What do I do day to day in my life as I work, as I as I raise my family? What does that look like for me? I'm, you know, most people aren't pastors. They're not out there preaching and, yeah. or, or writing books. So, so what do they do? What does your congregation do? Yeah. What does that look like? Or if I can even just jump in and maybe add to it for a brief second, um, please. Not just us, but I mean, once our congregation hears of the truth, you know, some practical things that they themselves can can carry out. Absolutely. No, it's great. So I, I think first off, we have to start with rejecting the lie that these cultural topics are political. Abortion, sexuality, marriage, um, you know, even the environment. Um, these are not political conversations. They've been politicized. But they're first and foremost theological and moral. And so the the lie is that the church can't speak about anything political, which I don't think is true to begin with. But those that hold that sort of extreme separation of church and state in the sense that the church can never talk about something if it's politically, you know, if it's part of the political conversation, this is all a method to try to silence Christians to be able to, to, to prevent them from speaking into these areas. And so I think the first thing that we need is we need to uh, we really need to kill timidity. Timidity is the thing that that prevents you from being bold. Now, I have to balance that and I can't do this for anybody, but we have to personally audit ourselves to ask the question like, am I in danger of weaponizing truth? Because the 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 flip side to this is I've had people take my work and whether it's Metaxas or Carl Truman or myself or, you know, or James Lindsay or somebody else, it's easy to take these ideas and and sort of use them as a weapon to just judge and attack and, and kind of go on these theological witch hunts, you know, against other people. And and I think that that is that's not what I've intended the work to be. And that's that becomes dangerous. There are those that we need to root out within the movement and within the faith. We need to expose for what they are. Um, but the goal of this is unity that we could unify around primary doctrine and not and not look for every single secondary or tertiary issue to go, well, I think they're a secret, you know, uh, secretly woke or a Marxist and they just haven't said that. You know, like we have to we have to allow some some variety and variation so I, I hope the heart's coming behind that is like you know look i'm the guy who wrote the book woke jesus and the christian left wokeism is a problem in the church but but i think that that we have to we've also not been very good historically at loving people and so if all we do is take this material and then double down on kind of like elevating truth over love we can really end up in a bad place 
um, I, I, I say this in multiple works that I've written, is that the elevation of grace over truth will make you a progressive. The elevation of truth over grace will make you a bigot. It'll make you a judgmental, a Pharisee in those things. The only way forward is fully embracing grace and truth. It is hanging on to these things, you know, in such a way that we are utilizing them every time we minister. When I'm running into somebody who has, you know, uh, uh, they have a distorted view of their own sexuality or or gender or something like that, um, they probably don't need a theological, you know, treatise at that time. What they need is they need somebody who has a good hold on the truth to be able to love them where they are, but but call them in Christ to a to a life that's free from that. As much as the left talks about liberation, they don't really understand it mm-hmm. because true liberation is being liberated from the thing that actually shackles you the most, and that is sin and death. And the only way to get really free of sin and death is not going to be Marxism, wokeism, any of these other things. Those are those are, you know, false ideas. The only way free of that is the person of Jesus Christ. And so if we're just if we're just winning battles with conservative talking points, but never actually leading people to Jesus, then we're still missing it. This whole world could become, you know, the whole nation could become moralized um, and and uh, around a, even a biblical Judeo-Christian moral framework. But if they don't, if the nation isn't actually meeting Jesus and having a personal relationship with him, then we haven't really accomplished the mission. And so, you know, this is, I'm not just trying to build a conservative utopia as opposed to the Marxist utopia that they're trying to make. I'm trying to, I want to be an ambassador for Christ, leading people out of these this, this deception and darkness so that they can come to a personal knowledge of their Savior and find true freedom from the things that hold them in bondage uh, and, and overcome their own depravity in that and, uh, and, and experience an eternal utopia, uh, which is heaven. And it's the only place utopia is ever going to actually exist. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that's exactly where, you know, you wanted to go, but, but that's, uh, that's at least the things I'm chewing on, you know, this week. And, and I think it's very important for us to, to hang on to grace and truth. And so uh, practically, let me just say this, when I'm ministering publicly, I'm very truth forward. When I'm ministering individually, I'm very love forward. Because, you know, I'm able to kind of project that onto that person right there, where when I'm talking, you know, more holistically, it's it's ideologically, you know, first and foremost. Uh, I think that, you know, make sure you don't go to a woke church. Make sure you're not funding a woke church. Um, uh, you know, and you can do take your pastor, the American pastor project, see what they think of it. That's going to tell you real fast. Um, get some resources, educate yourself on these topics you know, so that you're really prepared because what comes next, if we don't figure this out is, is, uh, and I hope I'm wrong, but potentially is, is a phase of, and a season of immense persecution for the church. Mm-hmm. And if we don't figure this out now, and if we refuse to speak about our faith now, we're definitely not going to be able to speak about it later. So That's... we, we have some work to do. Yeah. I love how you frame that up that, you know, you that's you great. speak in truth, but individually is an opportunity to love them and talk to them. I know that's something you and I practice where we speak truth. We're on the university in our town where we awesome. say a lot of things, but we always give the opportunity to, hey, meet with us. We want to sit yeah. down with you and have coffee. We want you to have conversations with us and be able to work through those things. And we want to love you. And so ministering to the people amongst the conversation is really, really important for what we do as pastors. Can you close us up with uh, your understanding of Ephesians chapter 6? 
you know, Paul writes to the church about putting on the armor of God. And yeah. it's been said before, this is not just some Sunday school lesson where we get some crayons and color in a picture of a, a right. soldier, you know. So tell us, you know, practically speaking, tell us your understanding of Ephesians 6. I think this is a, a good time to land the plane. Absolutely. So so Ephesians 6, and I write about this in Woke Jesus, is that, that you know, this is really our... Um, are, are the tools that we have as believers to overcome heresy. And, you know, right from the start, you know, we put on the helmet of salvation. So the helmet of salvation shows us that we weren't entitled to salvation previously. It's something that had to be put on, and it was it's put on by grace through faith, and that there's a knowledge of salvation, that there's a confidence in salvation. And it's not a confidence based upon my works, it's a confidence based upon his work on the cross. And I know that because I have the breastplate of righteousness and that breastplate of righteousness. It shows me that there is a standard, you know, that we we see that there is, is this thing called righteousness. But again, I don't have it inherently. I have to put that on and I put that on through really taking on this this faith righteousness from Christ. It's a gift of righteousness is what scripture speaks of. And so that protects me that from, you know, the things of this world, uh, woke is wokeism and all the you know different variations of that today. Uh, it doesn't have, you know, it, it takes more of a post-structuralist uh, uh, view of morality that sort of there's room for interpretation and there's no real standard and everybody can believe this or that. What what the, the breastplate of righteousness reminds us is that there is a standard, you know, that's there. Uh, we see that in the belt of truth, that this belt, that there, it's not belt of your truth and belt of my truth. Uh, it is the belt of the truth, right? That we see there is, there is a singular truth that, that is, that is fixed upon us, that holds us together, that keeps the rest of our, you know, uh, um, you know, components, you know, in place. Uh, that that becomes sort of that linchpin for everything else in our lives. Uh, we see our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, right? That this is uh, that this is a, it's a push for evangelism. There's a lot of talk of universalism that God's so good, everybody's saved. You know, unless you voted for Trump or something like that, then of course you're going to hell in gasoline underwear. Sort of that's the narrative on the left, and and so you know the. The, the 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 feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, it shows us that evangelism matters. You, you're not going to hear a Christian leftist talking about evangelism. You're not going to hear them talking about heaven and hell and repentance and the need for, you know, mm. uh, uh, you know, changing your ways. Like that's that's not a narrative because they they have let go of the gospel of peace. That is this readiness of this evangelistic spirit. Uh, of course, the sword of the spirit, you know, that we have that this is this is our this is our both our offensive and our defensive weapon that this really comes down to. You know, uh, the, 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 we see the truth of the word. We see the, uh, uh, you know, the spirit of God that leads us in all of these things. And so, you know, properly fitting ourselves within the armor of God or with the armor of God protects us from false ideas. And, and I go through that much more in depth in the book. But it would if you actually put on the armor of God in your life, wokeism could have no place. It would root out every single false doctrine that you have Amen. Uh, and, and demonstrate what's true in the word versus, you know, these false alternatives that we see. We love it. We love what you're doing. We love your ministry. We're encouraged by it. We pray that our congregation is blessed by what you're doing as well. Uh, we were just talking before this episode. It would be a great honor if you would let us pray for you. And oh, we'd love it. For your ministry right now, uh, just that God would protect you. You know, there's a lot of flaming arrows that's going to be coming your way. So, uh, Pastor Kyle, why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, I thank you for this time that you have given us together. I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Um, I thank you for the Word of God that we stand on, uh, that we can continue to trust you each and every day. 
Uh, I thank you so much for Lucas and his ministry, yes. uh, whether that's uh, pastoring his church, shepherding the people, uh, educating not just his people, but all of us around the nation and around the world. Um, I pray for protection over him and his family uh, and his church, that this ministry would continue to thrive, that the truth would continue to move forward, and that we would win people to Christ, that we would uh, be soul winners, uh, that we would care about people and where they are going for eternity. And then that would drive us uh, to love people, to show them grace, and to teach them your word, Lord. So I thank you so much for Lucas and his time. Uh, I bless him and his ministry and continue to see the fruits that come of it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.